Hello, you're welcome to If I Were the Minister for Education from Unshot.net. The Patronage and Pluralism Forum, 10 Years On, Part 4. As we've seen from the first three parts of this special episode on the Forum for Patronage and Pluralism, the report never really had a hope of succeeding. Yes, they fell at the first hurdle by failing to see an issue with the concept of choice when it comes to primary schools. And although they, to be fair to them, they did imagine that their aims were probably fanciful, I don't think they really thought how poorly the divestment plan would actually go. The authors were so defeatist, (laughs) they wrote that even if 50 schools divested, they saw it as a good start. I don't think that they even thought that fewer than 20 schools would end up divesting within 10 years. What was the problem, I'm sure they asked themselves? Well, in this part of my 10-year anniversary of the failure of the Patronage and Pluralism Pluralism Forum, I move on to the next disaster in a series of disasters and I look at Rory Quinn's third aim of the forum and how that went. Hello, hello, you are welcome to If I Were the Minister for Education from Unshaw.net. This is Simon Lewis speaking. Well, after the debacle of Castlebar, one of the biggest towns on the list of areas due for divestment, I reckon the Department of Education may have thought they should have aimed, let's say, east? Surely the more liberal area of Malahide there wouldn't meet as much resistance as the people of Castle Bar that we learnt about in our previous part of this episode. And if you have listened to the last part of this episode, you'll remember that the community of Malahide were told that divesting away from the Catholic Church would be a Brexit-style disaster. And given the emotions towards Brexit at the time, they couldn't have picked a better piece of propaganda. I've spoken to a number of people that went to that now infamous meeting where the patron representatives and schools spoke spoke of the end of Christmas plays, the end of grandparents' days and how schools would no longer be able to greet each other in the Irish language as the Lord's name would be invoked. Dias (sighs) Murakwich. No multi-denominational provider of education was allowed to speak to the community and everybody was basically told that Educate Together and other multi-denominational providers were not welcome in their neighbourhood. This was maybe nimbyism in a really messed up way. While it was okay for the Concilies and the Port Marnix and the swords of this world to have choice for the last number of years, Malahide would not be letting those corrupt hippies coming into their neighbourhoods. Sure, what next? Soon they'd be selling the Daily Telegraph instead of the Guardian in the local newsagent slash organic deli. Sorry, I'm being a bit silly there and I'm being kind of stereotypical of Malahideans or whatever they call themselves. But uh, it's hard to be serious when presented with the amount of nonsense that went on in Malahide. Um, because on the face of it, one might have expected the people of Malahide to welcome a multi-denominational school to their area. 
And for those of you not in the know um, about malahide, because I, I'm, I'm telling you, malahide, I'm speaking about malahide as if you'd know what it is. Uh, malahide is a town in the north of County Dublin, and it's one of the most liberal parts of Ireland, one of the most liberal areas of Ireland with the highest percentage of people who voted in favour of same-sex marriage and abortion rights for women in the country. Not just in, not just in Dublin, but in the country. Interestingly, too, it was a place, the place deliberately, I would say, picked for the first citizens' assembly when they began the process of abortion rights for women. It's also a town with only denominational schools. The curiously named Ma uh, Malahide Port Marnock Educate Together School is actually over four kilometres away from Malahide on foot and even longer by car and a 30-minute bus journey. Surely the people of Malahide were simply waiting for the government to step in and offer a school that did not force children to be indoctrinated in a faith that they had so roundly rejected. Alas, it was not to be, and on face value it seems fear-mongering, or scare-mongering, or whatever it's called, the fear-mongering of change won out on the day. Every rumour, every myth, and every lie about multi-denominational providers was thrown at the community, and in the end, the divestment of one school, yes, that's just one school, fell apart. Rory Quinn had asked his third question of the forum on patronage and pluralism to explore how such transfer divesting could be advanced to ensure that the demands for diversity of patronage, including from an Irish language perspective, could be identified and met on a widespread basis nationally. Now, I'll come back to the Irish bit when I've dealt with the rest of this, but I want to explore the idea of the demand for diversity because the reality is and whether I like it or not, that in 2012, there really wasn't a lot of appetite for change. And in some ways, one of the flaws of this forum was, in some ways, they kind of pretended that there was a big demand for change. And although it would suit my narrative and maybe some other people's narratives, the reality is that when all the data was collected, it indicated, unfortunately for me, and maybe unfortunately, actually not unfortunately for me, unfortunately for Ireland, that the people of Ireland were happy enough with the Catholic education. Now, some of you might say, well, if people are happy, why are you complaining? Let's, let me not get back into why it isn't a good idea. I've done that in the last couple of uh, parts of this episode. I know it's an absolute privilege if you are happy enough with a Catholic education. You don't realise what a privilege it is that you're okay with sending your child to a school where the prayers will go over their head or the indoctrination isn't alien to you or some of the stuff that they're saying is absolutely not completely against your conscience. You're lucky and privileged if that's the case. So that's why I am saying it's not a good thing. In very much the same way as smokers have to realise at this point that the banning of smoking in pubs was absolutely a very good thing for Ireland and for the health of Irish people, even if it affected them in a negative way or a supposedly negative way. So just because people are happy with the way things are doesn't mean it's okay. 
I mean, yes, the data, uh, the data that was there, the forum quoted a few of them. There was a Red Sea poll where more people wanted Catholic schools over schools that taught about all faiths. And even when it came, even when it came to younger generations, because this was also marked, there wasn't a huge difference. And reading through the surveys, it was clear to also see that there wasn't, I suppose there wasn't anything consistent coming up either. It wasn't that... Every, like all the surveys indicated that it was we, we, we want Catholic schools we want Catholic schools I mean there was exactly the opposite results came from a 2010 survey for example I mean the only consistency really was the Church of Ireland who were overwhelmingly supported by of keeping control of their schools however the only stat really that mattered was the one which was the demand for divestment and unfortunately again whether I like it or not it wasn't a very high number only 32% of parents wanted to see greater choice in education. Imagine. Given that only 70% of people in Ireland now identify as Catholic, it seems spectacularly low that 32% of people want more choice in education. One would have to assume that the 30% that aren't Catholic would have wanted greater choice, but it would be utterly bizarre that only 2% of the ticky box Catholics would want more choice. So what is the real deal? It can't be. It, it just doesn't make logical sense. It's hard to tell. So the only thing I can do is guess. That's all I can do. And my guess is that despite the fact that for eight years of your life, you send your child into a building for 30 hours a week, almost 30 hours a week, in the care of a bunch of strangers, most people don't seem to know what happens in schools. And we saw this during COVID-19, and this is the first time I've mentioned COVID-19 in this, uh, in this podcast. I'm sorry to do so. But we saw really that many parents see schools as childminding a place where you get your child minded while you go out to work or you get to do what you need to do during the day and that's all they really see it for um, and that's not a criticism of parents I'm just saying it is what came out of COVID-19 that it didn't really matter about the savage cuts that happened it didn't really matter what the children went into whether it was dangerous or not and all the rest of it all parents cared about that their child was minded for a few hours a week. And I think what a lot of parents seem to think, these are parents who aren't involved in the education, is they assume that schools in the 21st century are kind of much the same as they were when they themselves were in school. Except maybe instead of blackboards and corporal punishment, they have these fancy interactive whiteboards and... Um, they, they don't hit children anymore. Um, I was going to say that they're all really kind to children now. But one of the criticisms of the non-religious schools, um, of non-religious schools, by the way, from parents, is that there's no discipline in them, in these hippie educate together schools. There's no discipline. Which kind of leads me to my point. There are so many rumours and myths about educate together schools in particular. It, be it seems to be, it begins to me anyway, to be no surprise why many parents, even if they don't practice a religion, will prefer a Catholic school to a non-Catholic school. You'll notice I haven't mentioned community national schools, by the way, here, because, and the reason I haven't is because, and I find this astounding, is that almost nobody knows what they are. 
I'd like to think I have my ear to the ground fairly well, but despite being the fastest growing school type in the country for the last few years, it's very hard to find anyone that knows what they are, what they do, and how they're different to other schools. I mean, even parents that send their kids to these community national schools don't seem to know what goes on. I've had many debates with people that parents of children in these community national schools who state things that don't actually happen in these schools. And when I tell them, they're like, do you actually, well, I, I'm, I'm much less competitive, but I ask them, do you actually know what goes on in your child's school? And they, they, they just don't seem to know. And they say, oh, oh, right, is that the case? Oh, and actually sometimes they'll, they'll argue, oh, well, that's what I was told. But, you know, by, by who? It's, it's, it's very odd that community national schools are very much under the radar when it comes to education, whereas Educate Together um, are quite loud within the education landscape. Um, you know, I, I mean, this to me, even more so, sorry to go on about this, but there's a fairly prominent member of the community national school board, right, who I've interacted with a few times and he hasn't got an iota about them. It's amazing. And Yet, if you go to any event promoting the Community National School, he's up there as a parent representative and he hasn't a clue what goes on in those schools. It's amazing. Anyway, back to my theory that there are so many myths about Educate Together schools and this is why less than a third of people surveyed wanted change from a denominational system. I mean, it, 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 it's surprising. I mean, another thing that's surprising is if you look at the National Maternity Hospital situation, you wouldn't think that, you know, if you asked people whether they agreed with this, you'd have you'd have 32 percent of people not agreeing with it would be would be unmanageable. You know, I mean, it, it just seems weird. It's a weird figure and it doesn't make any sense. And it can only come down to not actually understanding what multi-denominational education actually means. Um. You know, I, I, you can go on about, oh, well, it's a history. Their parents went to a particular school and their parents before them. And, you know, there's a they were lovely to them and they were all really nice and so on. And, you know, maybe there's a bit of that. But even then, I don't think I don't think that's enough for parents to say, look, we should have greater choice. It doesn't actually say that it would need to be their school, for example. But anyway, I I went through all of the myths I've heard. Um, in a previous episode of this podcast but I really think it's worth repeating them because it was about two years since I did that episode even just to entertain myself really because this is, this, um, this whole fiasco is really annoying me to be honest with you so without further ado here are the top reasons I've heard during the Malah- particularly during the Malahide fiasco to convince people that divest- divesting schools was a bad idea and guess how many reasons there are hold on to your hats everyone there's 23 reasons, 23 things. Ready? Number one, and I mentioned this already, we don't celebrate Christmas, Easter, Paddy's Day, Paddy's Day, oh my God, Paddy's Day, etc. I was going to say Patrick's Day, by the way, for in my defence. Firstly, this is about 99% of a lie. It's not exactly 100% of a lie. Because celebrate is a different, was an interesting word? Because Catholic schools celebrate these festivals in a religious way. They're not concerned about presents or tinsel or chocolate eggs. They're interested in Jesus and celebrating these are the birth of Jesus, the spread of Christianity and the death of Jesus and so on. Now, Educate Together schools and community national schools mark these festivals in many ways, but 
they don't generally celebrate them in the same way. They, in fact, in some ways, they, they don't celebrate them. They mark them. They acknowledge them. They learn about them and they learn from children who celebrate them. So in a way, they celebrate them by marking them and acknowledging them and ensuring the children who do celebrate the festival are recognised. And they also, as well as that, they also take other festivals that are similar and this is what denominational schools don't do. So, for example, other festivals of light uh, around Christmas and talk about them to compare them. And around Easter in these schools, you'll find egg hunts and harvest festivals around Educate Together schools. But it doesn't necessarily mean that they're celebrating the religious aspect of these festivals. And I mean, funnily enough, they mentioned Halloween, uh, which I thought was really funny in, the, in that uh, thing with Malahide. Um, Halloween isn't even a Catholic festival, but the rumour is we don't do those either. Yeah, so there you go. And if you check out any of your St. Patrick's Day um, festivals in your town, you'll probably notice and the Educate Together School is represented in very many of them. Um, number two, Grandparents Day. None of that sort of thing in Educate Together schools. Now, the reason they say this is because Grandparents Day has become the centrepiece of Catholic Schools Week, which is generally uh, Grandparents Day is celebrated, celebrated in inverted commas, with a mass, because everyone loves a mass, especially grandparents, uh, which in, which obviously excludes all non-Catholic grandparents, say, uh, grandparents. Now, Grandparents Day is actually, is actually celebrated in Educate Together schools, and a quick Google will show you that in spades. We just don't celebrate it during Catholic Schools Week because we're not Catholic. Um, number three, one of the big problems with Educate Together schools is they don't wear a uniform. And this leads to terrible child safety concerns, especially on school tours. So say the people of Ireland. Yes, Educate Together schools do not have uniforms. Luckily, community national schools do, which will hopefully make you feel better. Anyway, I just wanted to go through the number of children in the last 40 years that have been lost on school tours due to a lack of uniform. <sighs> yeah, it's zero. I actually can't believe this was genuinely put down as a reason not to divest. But it was. Number four, we don't say Dia Gwich in Educate Together. My goodness me, because of that Dia bit. We don't say Dia Gwich. Well, do you know what? We say Dia Smirgwich too. And the mad thing is, this wasn't the first time I've heard this. Um, by the way, just for you English speakers out there, you do know the word goodbye is a contraction of God be with ye. You know, so we probably should stop saying goodbye as well if we're in these mad schools. Anyway, number five, the change of a school name. Yes, if you are going to divest away from being Saint Assumptious of the Aloysius of whatever uh, national school, you would probably have to change your name from not being a saint. And I can't understand why that's a big deal, but that was a reason. Number six, all the teachers would lose their jobs and they'd have to reapply for them. That is absolute nonsense. Uh, as you will probably have known by now, if you didn't back then when I recorded this, uh, the, a school in the news, Nina Community National School, is being reconfigured um, to being a, a multi-denominational school in September and all the teachers, funnily enough, kept their jobs. What a surprise. It was a lie. 
Number seven, let's look at some general myths about Educate Together. So let's go uh, with, they don't teach Irish. Okay, so let's start with that. Um, we do, um, same as every other school. And speaking of which, all Gwale schools uh, are Educate Togethers really. Remember I was saying before, that, actually I haven't said it yet, it's in this episode. A lot of people think Gwale schools are the same as Educate Togethers. They're not. Um, less than 10% of Gwale Scullin are Educate Together, uh, like as in multi-dominational. Uh, let's go again. Educate Together schools are for foreigners. <sighs> Seriously, this is used. Educate Together schools are as diverse as any other school in the country. Yes, there are some Educate Together schools where there is a very high migrant population, but there are others where there's little diversity and everything in between, much like Catholic schools. Speaking of which... Educate Together schools are middle class. Um, educate Together schools are for disadvantaged kids. C can, we, can we make up our minds here? Educate Together are good for kids with special needs. What? It's like, these are all things I've heard and I'm told and I'm sometimes told in the same argument, you know, that we're disadvantaged but we're also middle class, you know, or whatever. So number 12, there's no discipline in those Educate Together schools. No, no discipline whatsoever. No respect because of that first name basis. Sure, they're all calling the teachers by their first name. Sure, how could there be respect? <sighs> Do I need to respond to that? 13. Parents walk in and out of those classrooms and those Educate Together schools. They don't. 14. Are they're anti-Catholic and they're anti-religion? Actually, on the other side of it, they're not anti-Catholic and they're not anti-religion. In fact, you could argue, and I do, that they're less anti-religion than denominational schools because they treat every single person, whether they have a, uh, whatever the religion are, with equal respect. Catholic schools, and uh, for example, only fully respect Catholic children. So they would be anti-other religions, really, in reality. But anyway, and I, I don't know why I'm even explaining some of these. I'm actually, I, I thought I'd do this for my own entertainment. I'm actually getting agitated as I'm reading these. Number 15, oh, Simon, Catholic schools are good schools. Do you know, internationally, they outperform all other types of schools. I even had that yesterday on Twitter. Someone after me, after some, I don't know what I said, but someone said that. It's so frustrating when I hear this because um, the reason why Catholic schools in other countries outperform others is because they're generally private schools. And who goes to private schools, I wonder? Do I need to go on? No, I don't think I do. 16. You can't make your communion or confirmation in those Educate Together schools. No. The thing is, you can, but not in school. We don't, you see, you can't outsource your religion to the school. You actually have to make a bit of an effort yourself by bringing them to the, uh, to the local parish centre or uh, after school so they can learn how to do their uh, communion confirmation. But you can make it, just not during the school day. Number 17, we're all hippies. Well, um, I don't, I don't know. Some of us are hippies, I guess. But no more than other types of schools. <sighs> 18. Their teachers aren't qualified. Next. Yeah. I mean, seriously. Yeah. I actually, to be honest, I have had that. But you're not, you're not fully qualified. You're not qualified like in the Educate Together schools, are you? I, I honestly don't know where that comes from. But um, I've heard it. Number 19. Educate Together schools don't have boards of management. Or, 
all of board of management are made up of parents, so they're mad. <sighs> Educate Together schools do have boards of management, and all Educate Together schools have boards of management made up of the same collection of people as other schools. They don't have a priest, maybe, that's about it. Uh, well, maybe one or two educated schools might have a priest. I don't think they do. But there, there's no stopping a priest from being on the board of an Educate Together school as a community representative. But anyway, we have the same boards of management. Number 20. There's loads of bullying in those Educate Them, educate them All Together schools. Sorry, I love calling us Educate Them All Together schools. Someone actually used that um, to me uh, a number of years ago. Myself and my wife actually laugh at this uh, whenever we're referring to Educate Together. We say, oh, yeah, those Educate Them All Together schools. because <laughs> they, were, they were basically, it was when my school opened uh, some Oh God, some tool of a counsellor was like, we don't need those educate them all together schools because we've been educating all those educate all the children together for years and years. Um, it's one of my favourite things that ever happened. Um, that, oh God, I think she's still, she's still around that, that counsellor. She's not a counsellor anymore, but she's still around. Uh, but anyway, um, there's, um, there's loads of bullying in those schools. Uh, as well as losing children um, on school tours. Yes, because of a lack of uniform, there's so much bullying. Oh do you know how many cases I've had of bullying due to uniform? Guess none. And do you know all those people that have those non-uniform days and they dread them because of all the bullying? Yeah, well, that's why. If you don't have a uniform, you even the playing field and children just get on with it. 21. We've looser teaching methodologies. Now, I don't know what that means, um, but um, yeah, that's what we have. Um, I don't know. I don't know what looser teaching methodologies are, so I don't really know how to comment on it. Number 22, they're not ready for second level because of all of this nonsense that they do in these Educate Together schools. Um, well, luckily, <laughs> luckily studies have been done on this. And funnily enough, uh, and I'm sure this will not surprise you if you have half a brain cell, um, funnily enough, Educate Together pupils tend to do just as well as children that go from other schools because we have the same curriculum. What a surprise. And the last one, which is in honour of my mother-in-law who said this, teachers, the teachers in Educate Together schools aren't paid. My, my mother-in-law thought this for years. I, I don't know how she thought myself and Roz were um, actually surviving at all. I mean, were we being given these kind of grants for teaching, you know, <laughs> I don't know. I actually don't know what, what, what she was thinking. But obviously, yes, we're paid. And I actually, to be honest, it's only my mother-in-law that said this. Um, and I think she's since realised we are being paid. So you can see why many people, <laughs> even if you believe one or two of those things, you can see why many people aren't keen to change, even if they don't particularly like the system that's there. Better the devil you know and all that. In my opinion, before the forum had any chance to make any recommendations, they needed to make sure the alternative to denominational education wasn't littered with lies and rumour about the alternative. I find it so disheartening that people I call friends, people I admire, people who are in the education system would be guilty of assuming some of the nonsense I just listed. And when people within the system believe the lies and often speak of them as if they're simply the truth, how do we expect the general public not to believe them. Ultimately, Rory Quinn's plans to explore how divesting could be advanced and spread nationally failed with both Castlebar and Malahide as two examples. 
I'm sure there's many more examples which were lower in profile. For example, when I came home from training to be a teacher, uh, training to be a teacher in the, from, um, I, I trained in the UK in 2002, I saw a campaign poster for an Educate Together school in Ballina pinned to the notice board at the bus station. I heard that the campaign didn't even get off the ground and they were run out of town, as someone said. I witnessed a startup group in a Thai, my neighbouring town, fall apart because the Catholic schools saw the danger of this new school coming along and they amalgamated all their schools. Well, they didn't quite amalgamate the schools. They changed from being single sex schools to very large co-educational schools, expanding their enrolment and eradicating the need for any other primary school in the town. If the town you know did something similar somewhat randomly, you can probably bet it was because a multi-denominational provider was sniffing around looking to get in. You might ask why that should matter. Surely, if there's a demand, the government would ensure a school is multi-denominational. But the truth is, even they don't understand, they don't care. They And they don't care. They just don't care. The people in charge haplessly mix up the words multi-denominational with non-denominational and they seem to have no idea what happens in an Educate Together school and nor do they care. Many of them wouldn't even know what a CNS was even if they were cutting the ribbon to open one. The reason they don't care is because it doesn't affect them. Just look at the makeup of politicians. They're all white and they're Irish in the doll and it is amazing that there was more diversity in the doll in the 1980s than there is today. The vast majority of them, for example, voted in favour of a motion to add a Christian prayer at the start of the doll. And that didn't happen in the 1970s or 1980s or 1990s. It happened only a few years ago. That's the level we're at. Now, I did promise I'd get back to a bit of an aside in Rory Quinn's third recommendation, which mentioned Gwelskulna as part of the patronage and pluralism plan. This is rather curious to me because it seems like the idea is that the Irish language is being put into the same criteria as religion in schools. That is, if the school is an Irish medium school, it seems to not matter if the school is denominational in nature and somehow counts as being diverse. Now, Gwaelskullna, and, and I'm sure you've heard me speaking about them before, um, are an interesting breed in the education system. You'll often hear parents talk about them in the same breath as Educate Together, as I mentioned there in that list, as if they're somewhat equivalent in what they offer. For example, on more than one or two occasions, when somebody asks me where I work and I tell them I'm in an Educate Together school, they've said things like, ah, Yes, we don't have an Educate Together school here in wherever it is, but we do have a Gwell school. I mean, that's like me saying, like, that's, that's, that's like saying to me, for example, ah, Simon, we, we, we don't have a coffee shop here in this village, but we do have a petrol station. I mean, yes, they, they both serve coffee, but given the choice, there's only one I'm going to. I, Sorry, that's that's my bias showing here. Sorry, I'm only joking. I can't really think of an analogy, to be honest, because one doesn't really, one couldn't exist. I mean, let's look at some stats and let's look at one stat. Let's look at Educate Together schools. A hundred percent of Educate Together schools do not teach one faith as the truth. That's not a particularly controversial thing to say. However, less than 10% of Gwelskolina can say the same thing. So when somebody tells me that their town doesn't have an Educate Together school but does have a Gwell school, 
That's as impressive as telling me their town doesn't have an educate together school, but they also but they do have a Catholic school. Gwales Cullina are absolutely no more diverse in terms of their faith formation. And let's be completely frank about Gwelskulna. As much as they try and claim otherwise, they are not diverse places at all in any way. Walk into any shared campus where there's a Gwelskull and an Educate Together school on the same site and you'll see what I mean in less than five seconds as the children filter into either school. Just have a look. I have absolutely no idea why Gwelskullen are part of the conversation around pluralism and patronage and again I have to wonder why they happen to be in this report. The report even dedicates a chapter to them and it starts with a really nice sentence. Okay, listen to it here. The advisory group notes and welcomes that Irish medium schools are included within the remit of the new school patronage arrangements announced by the minister in 2011. Notes and welcomes, not notes and wonders what the hell the Irish language has to do with divestment, because that's what I would have said. To be honest, I think, I think this is shoehorned into the forum thanks to the 20 year strategy for the Irish language from 2010 to 2030 and no other reason other than that. Interestingly, that plan, by the way, has also failed abysmally, but that's probably for another day's podcast. I don't want to bother you with loads of statistics, but I found it interesting that the numbers of people in Gwaeltucht areas that speak Irish has steadily decreased every year since the 1970s. But outside the Gwaeltucht, in schools, more people are speaking Irish within schools. And the census also purported that about a third of Irish people speak Irish um, in 2012. This was the census in 2000, well, I think it was 2011, was it? Though, by 2016, the embarrassing reality is that Irish became the third most spoken language in Ireland on a daily basis behind English and Polish. I, I don't know what more you can say about it. However, in terms of divestment, I was particularly interested in their recommendations that certainly didn't seem as strong when they were talking about multi-denominational schools. The one that really jumped out at me was the following. It was stressed at the forum that many all-Irish medium schools tend to start out from a small parent base, but subsequently thrive. The advisory group recommends that the Department of Education should analyse the pattern of such experience as a guide towards evaluating future applications for such schools. I mean, talk about bias. I don't know too many Educate Together schools that also don't start from a similar situation, but I didn't see that recommendation anywhere in the forum. But enough about Gwaelskolna. I think we've had enough divisiveness for one part of an episode. As you can see, the forum's plan simply had no hope whatsoever of succeeding. If you read all 170 plus pages, you'll find that it is very nervous in its language and it panders really badly to the Catholic Church in many ways. Here's an example of their section on standalone schools, that is schools in areas where there's only one primary school. And just so you know, in almost all cases, that school is under Christian control. Here's the sentence. The Minister for Education and Skills at the opening of the forum noted that one of the strengths of the Irish primary system has been that the local primary school has been very inclusive of all students within its community. And where does one go from there if that's what one is up against? It is impossible for any school to be very inclusive. 
It's it's just impossible. Even Educate Together schools can't be very inclusive because the laws that are out there stop that from happening. Uh, when, I, when I talk about inclusive, I talk about it in the way that Josepha Madigan these days talks about the only definition for inclusive is about additional needs because you can't be fully inclusive to children with additional needs in Irish schools because the resources aren't there. But it's impossible um, if you are in a religiously controlled schools that if only one religion is being promoted, you cannot be very inclusive. You can be tolerant, maybe accommodating. Unfortunately, the more and more I read this report and I read it, I actually, I'm one of these sad people that reads this report uh, more than once. The more and more I can't understand how it, uh, it's more, more and more I can understand how it didn't succeed. Um, and in some ways, though, I can't, I can't understand either how it didn't succeed a bit more. I, I can understand why it didn't succeed in fully. But I can't understand how it didn't succeed considering how conservative it was too. And perhaps this was deliberate. That is, if they're humble and nice and say lovely things about the system and almost shrug their shoulders because those naughty atheists have human rights, then the churches would have divested more, more nicely. And as we know, that didn't actually happen. Instead, we've been left in 2022 with an arbitrary challenge to have 400 multi-denominational schools in Ireland by 2030, less than eight years from now. We are less than halfway there and I'm already seeing in the Department of Education stats a good bit of massaging of the numbers going on where, where schools that are actually interdenominational, not multi-denominational, interdenominational, are getting included in the numbers of multi-denominational schools. I have a theory that we're actually going to reach the target of, of, of the 400 schools by 2030 and I might explain that in the next part of this episode. But even if we do, it will still only represent 12% of all schools in the country. So instead of 95% of schools under religious control, if it actually succeeds the 400 schools, it will be down to 88%. And if I were the Minister for Education, I would hardly call that a triumph. So there you have it. That is the end of part four of this episode. And uh, I hope you enjoyed it. If you did so, please, uh, if you wouldn't mind, uh, click the subscribe button uh, so that other people can find it more easily. And uh, if you feel uh, it's worth it uh, to leave a review as well on whatever podcasting platform you use, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or any of the rest of them. Um, I hope you enjoyed, as I said, and I'll be back with part five of this 10 year anniversary uh, shortly. Thanks so much for listening. Bye bye.